Today on Ag News Daily. After that, we're going to go several days of drier conditions in the Midwest, but it's going to be cooler, which is going to be, I think, you know, a really good, uh, you know, thing to endure when you've got the heat coming through. Good afternoon and happy Friday from the Ag News Daily podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how's your Friday looking? It's good, Ashton, but I tell you what, it's super weird. The wildfire smoke that are the wildfires that are happening in the western portion of the United States have actually caused some smoky haze over central Iowa. Iowa today. So the sun's trying really hard to peek out, but it basically is almost kind of a eh, orangey colored tint to the sky today. That is no fun at all. I saw a video on social media, people talking about how pretty the red moon was and things of that nature. And people were in the comments talking about how it's because there are wildfires happening at different parts of the world. And that's why the moon looks the way it does. So I think it's really interesting how, you know, things can be happening on the other side of the country and you're being affected by it in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super, super weird, super unique. I guess that we're seeing that. I don't remember looking at the moon last night. So I don't know. Couldn't tell you about that specifically, but we are, like you said, continuing to see that impact the Western port of the United States, but we're also seeing some severe weather in the Eastern portion of the United States, as we saw a severe weather pattern tour through the Eastern part of the Corn Belt into the eastern United States on Thursday night, heading into Friday, leaving some pretty heavy damage in some of those key growing areas. Not quite derecho level storms because they did not get up to wind gusts high enough, apparently, to be qualified as that. But we did have a line of storms from tornadoes to to straight line winds pass through a pretty significant portion of Illinois, Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, etc., moving eastward. And we're going to talk about that here with Eric Snodgrass coming up today for a little quick weather update. But um, saw some folks posted on Facebook and Twitter that they are having some flattened corn acres, just like we saw here in Iowa last year about this time, Ashton. Well, Delaney, since we're talking about weather, I wanted to talk a little bit just because I thought that it was interesting. I don't really know how much this will impact the world of agriculture, but there was an 8.2 magnitude earthquake off the coast of Alaska. I think it was earlier today, actually. And a couple of the people who lived on the coast of Alaska had a tsunami warning in effect because this earthquake was so large. So they had to move inland. But I don't think that that threat is there anymore but that was something that I was at least paying attention to this morning okay this is super weird because there are apparently just severe weather issues going on everywhere Ashton and I'm not even exaggerating on this because another weather story I just saw on Twitter is that for the first time in 62 years Brazil had some snow which is very unusual they had it in south brazil on thursday super rare for the country to even have snow whatsoever um and so yeah the first time in 62 years about 40 cities had icy conditions about 33 municipalities had reported snow and 
So this, of course, is going to continue to impact. We've been talking about their cold weather, but this is going to continue to impact their coffee and sugar production. Maybe not so much corn production. I don't think the portion that got snow has a ton of corn acres that far south, but it certainly could affect uh, other commodities that are grown in Brazil. But we're just having super weird weather all around, Ashton. I think it's so strange to even think that Brazil is an area that can get that cold. Whenever I think of Brazil, of course, I think of South America and I think of more tropical type weather and hot and beaches. And it's just so strange to me to think that they are getting snow. But Delaney, you're going to be talking with Eric Snodgrass a little bit later in the podcast about weather. So I'm going to go ahead and shift the conversation over to the Dominican Republic. Yesterday, you talked about how there has been detection of African swine fever, and we're starting to see the Dominican Republic restricting pig shipments and mobilizing the military to contain the spread of ASF. U.S. testing of 389 samples from Dominican pigs raised on farms and in backyards indicate African swine fever is in a small population of backyard pigs from certain provinces. The U.S. and Mexico are separately increasing airport inspections to stop travelers from bringing in Dominican port products that could carry the virus. Like you said, Delaney, yesterday that we've already stopped importation of pork products. So we're taking this pretty seriously and even going to airports to stop this from coming in. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. That's a pretty natural line of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. That's yeah, thank you. Natural line of events to have happen um, because we need to see that happen. We don't want to have that product get into the U.S. borders. That would be detrimental to our U.S. hog herd. So I'm glad that they're taking this seriously, especially because it is hitting pretty close to home here, Ashton. But, you know, the other reason we could continue to see some increased security at the airports is because of the new COVID-19 Delta variant. A lot of analysts, a lot of rumors are starting to circulate that we could see, again, lockdowns starting here second or third week of August. Not set in stone. I don't necessarily know anything any different than anyone else does, but I've been paying extra close attention to this lately. And there are quite a few states that are starting to put mask mandates back in place. Quite a few countries that are continuing to do the same, if not shutting down their economies again. So I'm a little nervous that we are probably going to be trending this way again here in the United States and also globally. So definitely something to keep an eye on here, um, you know, especially if you've got any international trips planned. Hopefully you don't. But uh, I think that's I think that's unfortunately inevitable at this point, Ashton. Yeah, I'm a little upset to be hearing this news. I mean, I've said it before on the podcast that our governor in Texas, he has put a couple of things in place to where we won't be going back into a lockdown. But I don't know if that's going to be reversed because the Delta variant, according to, you know, healthcare officials, CDC, that it's even more infectious than, you know, just the original COVID-19 virus. So pretty unfortunate. And I was excited to finally be getting to go back on campus this fall, but I don't think that that is really going to happen for me. But other than that, Delaney, I just have one other thing to talk about today. And it's concerning the $1 trillion bipartisan bill that was put through the Senate earlier this week. 
the infrastructure bill has been something that we've talked about quite a bit. Um, It's made its way through the Senate and it concerns things like broadband, clean drinking water, um, airports, buses, transportation, bridges, those kinds of things for infrastructure. And according to the U.S. Labor Secretary, this new infrastructure deal that was reached earlier this week has the potential to add 2 million jobs a year for the the next decade. Secretary Martin Walsh said that some of these jobs will be created in the construction industry from the investment, and a lot of these jobs will be created in other industries and cities and towns across the country, including rural America. Walsh says that $550 billion in new federal infrastructure investment would create good paying union jobs. So I think we might have to touch on this for our labor mini series, Delaney. Yeah, it sounds like that we should indeed, Ashton, and we're going to continue that discussion next week. We've got a few great interviews planned for that. So folks do stay tuned. We're going to be airing those on the next couple of Wednesdays moving forward. But Ashton, unfortunately, next week, I'm going to be out. So it's you and Dawson handling the podcast. And I have utter faith in you two to ask the right questions and put things together for news that is going to be relevant to our listeners. But one final thing here I had before we chat markets, it's going to be relevant to our wheat producing listeners is what's going on for wheat country. We saw the Wheat Quality Council Tour wrap up here late Thursday morning, and their final yield numbers have been put out. The spring wheat was calculated at 28.9 bushels per acre, which is the lowest calculated yield for both crops, both spring wheat and hard hard wheat, which came in, or excuse me, durum wheat, which came out at 24.3, lowest since 2008, of course, due to the drought we continue to be experiencing in prime growing areas. So that is going to be a market story that has more to tell. And I know you guys are going to be chatting with Naomi Bloom on Monday, Ashen. Definitely going to be one to pick her brains about on Monday. But until then, let's chat about where markets left us for today. What do you say? Let's do it. Well, we saw a little bit of a pullback today across the corn and soybean markets, but uh, we did have quite a few, I think two or three trading sessions this week that pushed prices higher. So it seems natural to have a little bit of a pullback today heading into the weekend. We saw September corn down 11 cents today to close at 547. The D's down 11 and a quarter to close at 545 and a quarter. Soybeans today, the September contract down 29 and three quarter cents to close at 1355 and a half. The November down 28 and a half cents to close at 1349 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the wheat pits today. I want to talk specifically spring wheat as we continue to watch that story. We saw some pullback here in the spring wheat market today as well, with the September contract down 13 and three quarters cents to close at 904 and three quarters, the D's down 12 and a quarter cent to close at 891. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today, we saw weakness across the protein markets. The August live cattle contract down 42 and a half cents to close at 122.07 and a half. The October down 95 cents to close at 127.20. Feeder cattle, the weakness continued as the August contract shed 32 and a half half cents to close at 158.17 and a half. The September down 15 cents to close at 161.80. And in lean hogs today, we saw some continued weakness as the August contract shed 10 cents to close at 106.20. The October down 95 cents to close at 88.02 and a half. And wrapping things up here in the class three dairy milk futures. 
The August contract down two cents today to close at 16.24. The September down eight cents to close at 16.34. Now, Ashton, we've been teasing it this whole episode, but let's turn it over to our conversation with Eric Snodgrass to chat weather. Well, folks, today we're shaking it up a little bit on this Friday afternoon because we've got to chat weather. There's a lot of weather going on all across the United States, and we're going to chat about that today with Nutrient Ag Solutions Science Fellow, Eric Snodgrass. Eric, thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Eric, I want to kick things off here with some severe weather that we saw sweeping across the eastern portion of the Corn Belt overnight here heading into today. Specifically, I won't say it was derecho conditions because what from what I've read, we didn't see that, but we did see a lot of severe weather, some straight line winds, etc. Tell us what happened, what was going on there. Yeah, this, this all came out of a, an, an atmospheric setup, which we call Northwest Flow. And what's going on there is there's just the jet stream level winds are coming out of Canada and they raced across parts of the upper Midwest. So mainly through Wisconsin and kicked off a pretty nasty line of storms late in the night, a couple of days ago. And then that swept into uh, parts of Eastern Corbett, like you said, from Illinois over to Pennsylvania, eventually over to New Jersey, actually, where we saw some more isolated uh, reports of damage. I think when we boil it all down, it was, it'll be uh, in the neighborhood of about 200 to 250 reports in total. Of, of, of mostly wind damage going back over the last two or three days. And just for comparison, you know, when the, the derecho happened in August uh, a year ago, you know, that one event in August produced, you know, nearly 700 reports of severe wind damage. So you're right. It, it was significant for those farms that it hit, but not quite to the same caliber as that bigger event we saw about a year ago now. So, Eric, aside from that, the other big story that we've been sitting on, we're finally starting to see some cooler temperatures. But I tell you what, here in Des Moines, in central Iowa, we have so much smog coming from, I assume, from wildfire activity. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm actually down in, in Missouri and I was in Des Moines just the other day and went over to uh, Omaha. I left Omaha this morning. The haze was terrible, and it even rained in Omaha this morning and still didn't clear that out. And so, yeah, we're still dealing with very poor air quality issues, and a lot of that's coming from the fires that not only started in the West, but have come out of the um, you know British Columbia, they come out of Canada, and uh, there's widespread air quality alerts from Minnesota through Iowa and around much of the Midwest right now. So, Eric, let's talk a little bit more about weather impacting specifically our agricultural producers, which is temperature and precipitation. Talk to us a little bit about where we've been and where we're headed. Let's start with precipitation here first. Well, there's some good news came out of South Dakota this morning in that they did get some rain. I was talking to a grower from there this morning, and he was saying, I've already got three quarters of an inch, and it's still raining. And that rain's going to move last that didn't get anywhere. I'm talking about parts of Iowa. I'm talking about parts of Missouri. I'm talking about western, or excuse me, eastern parts of of South Dakota, parts of Nebraska, and over to western parts of Illinois. So I kind of painted an interesting little geographical area there. That was a spot that had really missed out on a lot of the rainfall. Yeah, some of these storms could pack a bit of a punch as they come through that area, but it's going to deliver some much needed precipitation after the heat that the area endured. After that, we're going to go several days of drier conditions in the Midwest, but it's going to be cooler, which is going to be, I think, you know, a really good 
uh, uh, you know, thing to endure when you've got the heat coming through. So at least, or excuse me, the dryness coming through. So at least it's going to be cooler, but I don't think it's going to last too long. It seems as though the ridge opens back up once we get into that first full week of August, or at least after the first few days, and we start to see some above normal temperatures coming in. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a pattern that's on the move right now. But thankfully, we did get a little bit of rain come through, uh, and cooler weather that's going to help things out as we go through pollination right now. And Eric, I know you're on the road today and have been on the road a lot so far this week. What are you seeing? What's what's your on the ground crop report telling us? Yeah, <laughs> and I've been stopping to look at some crop, and I'll tell you, there are some places where Things look green, but when you get into the fields, you kind of notice that there's some issues. I'm talking about this trip I took from Sioux Falls to Pier in South Dakota. Crop looks green, but you talk to the growers there, and they just haven't had the moisture in place. Now, an interesting thing across parts of the Western Corn Belt that has really helped by time is that we've had a lot of humidity in the atmosphere that's given us dew in the early morning. And even though you haven't been getting rain, there's been this nice, you know, collection of the dew by the crop that's put it down into that top of that root system and bought some time. Uh, so throughout much of Iowa, I was impressed with the shape of the crop and I've been pretty impressed in Illinois and over to Indiana as well. Where I'm driving through today, south on I-29, uh, basically going from Omaha to Kansas City, there are a few places in there that I believe are desperate for some rainfall and really needed to come through in order to revive this crop. And I'll cut across on 36 today, heading back over to my home state of Illinois, and I'll get a good look at that crop across northern parts of Missouri, too. And again, that's an area that could get some storms tonight that really help the crop out in those places. So, Eric, once we move past pollination here, heading into September, October, what can growers expect as far as harvest goes? Well, if, if we leave it up to our, our, our most dominant driver with the weather pattern this harvest, I'm going to say that it's going to come mostly from the fact that the ocean temperatures are cooling once again. We've got that La Nina signal. And just historically, as long as there aren't any big tropical systems that sneak up the gut of the Mississippi River and dump a bunch of rain, we tend to have a more extended uh, harvest time period with drier weather and warmer weather. So that's very favorable if, and that's you know it's kind of a big if, if the ocean temperature pattern and the trade winds, uh, which are associated with this developing La Nina, if they dominate the pattern. Now, you look at nearly every weather forecast model, and it's given us a drier and warmer harvest. But we all know that those models, you know, while at times they can be accurate, they don't show a lot of skill, which means being accurate all the time. And so we have a lot of wild cards to, to kind of shuffle through here. And I'll be watching, most importantly, how much moisture comes out of the Gulf of Mexico as we get toward that time period where we want stuff to dry down eventually. But at this point, I think La Nina is the biggest driver. Well, Eric, uh, before I let you go, I know that you put out daily commentary related to whether if some of our listeners want to check some of that out, where can they find it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Well, there's a, a web form that you can get signed up on. And it's kind of a complicated email address, but it's info.nutrien.com forward slash snodgrass, that's my last name, underscore weather. You go to that site, you put your email in, you'll get my daily content. Again, that's info.nutrien.com forward slash snodgrass underscore weather, and you get it. Fantastic. Eric, we'll also make sure folks check it out. It's in the podcast description for today. But Eric, thank you so much for coming on and chatting weather today. Certainly appreciate the update. You're very welcome. 
Thanks there to Eric for coming on and giving us a weather update. I'm excited to listen to that one, Delaney, since you had to take the reins today. But I'm glad that we are getting a weather update. Hopefully there is some relief in the future, but I'm not too sure about that. No, uh, it doesn't sound like it, at least for precipitation. We are going to see some cooler temperatures through much of the Midwest this weekend, but those hot temperatures are coming back in the next week. So certainly not excited there. Definitely not. But if we're going to be dry, I'd rather it be cool. Yes, I agree. Well, folks, like Delaney said, she's going to be out next week, but Dawson and I are going to be teaming up to bring you some great conversations. So you can tune in at agnewsdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.